Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best tech leaders in the world to help you scale from 2 million ARR to 100 million ARR. Today, we have a very special guest. His name is Shane Metcalf, the co-founder and chief culture officer at 15.5. Shane, welcome to the show. Really good to be here, Mike. Appreciate having me. And uh, yeah, let's get let's get to know a little bit more about yourself and how did you end up starting up fifteen five? Yeah, uh, so you know, like most things in my life, completely nonlinear, random ass path that led me to end up starting this company. And so uh, <laughs> we've been at it for eight years. So we started fifteen five in two thousand twelve officially. My co-founder had actually been working on it for about a year and a half prior to that. Wow. And and so I kind of stumbled in right right as we actually officially launched the product. And, you know, I, I never was, I mean, I've always been very entrepreneurial, but I did not have starting a technology company on my radar. You know, prior to 15.5, I was doing a full-time executive coaching. I was obsessed mm-hmm. with how do you help executive teams? How do you help leadership teams build highly cohesive, highly effective teams? And, you know, awesome. so... But I mean, I've facilitated a bunch of co-founder divorces, for instance. And essentially, when I get into a room with two co-founders who are going at each other's throats and Mm -hmm. they're about to rip the company apart, mostly what I'm getting them to do is start telling the truth to each other. Because human beings suck at telling the truth. You know, you think of most interviews, and it's mostly two people sitting in a room lying to each other. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and so I learned all these fascinating things in my journey as a coach, because, you know, part of being a coach is get yourself a lot of coaching and going through a kind of transformational journey of learning how to really identify what do you really want in life? And then how do you actually get it? You know, it's like, what do you want and how do you get it? That's fundamentally my role as a coach and to challenge people's thinking and assumptions. And so I got to coach a bunch of incredible companies in that time. And I learned a lot of things about what not to do. You know, I learned (laughs) a lot of ways of being and and ways of creating a company that would lead to dysfunctional behaviors and ultimately poor market performance down the road. And so I feel really lucky that that was, you know, because I think, you know, most people, you know, they have a, they have a successful business career and then they become an executive coach. You know, I just kind of, I just kind of faked it. You know, I was like, oh, I love coaching. And so then I figured it out and hustled my way into, you know, being fairly successful as a coach and then really started my, my business career in earnest. Well, that- um, so, you know, and, and, it, and then there was a bunch of other weird stuff before being a coach. I mean, you know, living in the Bay area, you can get yourself mixed up in all kinds of strange circles and um, lots of different courses and <laughs> transformational teachings and, uh, you know, a lot of uh, authentic relating focused communities that are really looking at like, hey, how do you actually get human beings to interact with each other in a less transactional way and a Got more it. present, authentic, uh, transformational capacity? And so all those things have really influenced how I decided to build the company, you know, from, uh, uh, from the beginning of saying, hey, let's do, let's do something a little different here. Let's really start asking the question, what if we built a company whose sole purpose was to unlock the potential of every member within it? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that lead to extraordinary performance and uncommon loyalty? Absolutely. Well done. And uh, that's our 15.5 starts. And what is 
Yeah, so 15.5 is a continuous performance management platform. We are focused on building high-performing, highly engaged organizations by helping people become their best selves. Mm-hmm. And you know, and this is a really important distinction because we believe that performance and engagement are a byproduct, not a root cause. If you want high performance, you want high engagement, you need to actually look at, well, what are the root causes of that? And, mm-hmm. and then start addressing it there. So we have a platform designed really to create more feedback loops inside of a company. So uh, everything from weekly check-ins and one-on-one agendas to OKRs, OKR management, analysis, tracking of your goals and objectives, uh, performance reviews. So quarterly, biannual, annual performance reviews that are designed with positive psychology and humanistic psychology in mind. So that it's less about, hey, how do I game the system so that I can get a higher rating so that I have a chance of getting a raise (laughs) and more about how do I actually want to grow and develop as a human being and as a professional, what skills do I want to focus on? What competencies do I want to grow so that I can actually bring my strengths to the table and help fulfill the mission of the company? God, it's very, very, very good point. And in terms of stage of growth, so kind of what is the ad count, uh, ARR interval fund? Yeah, sure. So uh, uh, pretty sure my CEO would uh, smack me if I said, if I reveal <laughs> our but, um, So, so head count. So we're just shy of 200 people and give you a little bit of sense of, of our growth trajectory. We were uh, a year ago, January, 2019, we just passed 70 people. And so we've nearly tripled our headcount in, in 12 months. Well done. And, uh, you know, so it's been kind of breakneck growth this last year. Uh, we mm-hmm. raised our Series B last year. Of, of, so in total, we've raised about $40 million, um, from Seed, Series A, Series B. Got it. And, and what's really exciting is I feel like we're, uh, you know, we, we've got, uh, I don't know, 23, 2,400 customers using our product, um, using the platform. And, you know, there's a lot of really exciting things. 2020 is an incredibly exciting year. You know, we have, we have the table stakes of a fantastic performance management platform. You know, everything that, you, that a company would need to run a really progressive, cutting-edge performance management process. Cut it. And, and what's, what's happening this year is we're now launching services and education because we, we know that the, the tool is only a tool and it's going to be as good as the people that are using it. And so what we want to do is we want to provide now the education and the resources for developing the, the skills as in the mindset as people leaders in order to be truly effective and transformational managers to be truly effective and transformational executives and chief people officers so that you can actually unlock the potential of your people. That's an amazing uh, vision. And we, we always talk about uh, around SaaS companies, the importance of services to serve customers using the product. Uh, and, uh, and, very, and I think that sometimes we, we tend to look to services uh, with some uh, questions or some doubts uh, about if they should exist in a product company. Yeah, I, I mean, I know I did for a lo- long time. I was like, hell no, we're, we're a product company. Services don't scale. We need yes. exponentially scalable technology. Exactly. And, um, and I've, I've come along 
uh, I've come some ways in my thinking about that. One, you know, we're, we're moving up market. We've moved up market. We're servicing larger companies. You know, in right. addition to SMB mid-market, we're not really servicing enterprise companies. And we need to be able to go in, like, you know, I mean, for instance, OKRs. One of our very popular services is, is an OKR training and workshop. Yeah, People don't know how to do OKRs. P- OKRs are one of the most powerful and effective things that you can do to increase the performance of your company. And there's at least a year-long learning curve, usually, yeah. where you're fumbling around in the dark, looking for the light switches. And what we can do is we can come in there and in two days, we can help you find the light switch and turn it on and save yourself so much time, so much money. And so really getting that, okay, yeah, so service is a big component of it. But then also what's really exciting is we just launched the Best Self Academy. And the Best Self Academy is a one-to-many, so it's a digital platform where we're providing training and education certifications for managers to get better at one-on-ones, OKRs, performance reviews, you know, all the things that managers need to be exceptionally good at if they're going to be a good manager. That's that's amazing. Sounds very exciting. Uh, your vision for for the year. Uh, we we all discuss um, nowadays uh, if what we need is hyper growth or more sustainable growth, there is this rule which talks about the triple, two times, double, three times from yep. two to 300 million. That's why we use this threshold in, 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 the, in the podcast. What, what is your vision about uh, growth? Should, it, should, we, should we grow as, as quickly as possible or should we control the speed of growth to, to grow also in a more sustainable way? I, I mean, you know, it's... It's a really interesting question because there's <laughs> there's a there's parts conflicts, you know, like like in, in, a, in some of the coaching work and uh, neurolinguistic programming work that I've studied. There's this idea of parts conflict. So so um, you know, as a person, we might want something, but there's another part of us that wants something else. You know, it's like I mm-hmm. I want to I want to lose weight, but also I really want to enjoy myself and be able to eat that Snickers and chill out and watch some TV and wa- eat some popcorn. And so I have this parts conflict. <laughs> And, you know, and so a company is also like a single organism and has competing demands, competing desires, because on the one hand, in order to ensure our future success, we want to grow fast. We want to make sure that we have the right metrics and the KPIs so that we can go out and get that next round of funding and that it's going to be easy. And we're not going to have a, you know, a nine month slog through the pits of hell in order to actually get some money for the company. Absolutely. We go out and in three months we have those term sheets because because our numbers are attractive and from that pure growth perspective it looks like a rocket ship. And yes, very good, very good. But you know, some of the growth at all costs culture that has create been created, I think, actually leads to much shorter life cycles for companies. That it's actually very it can be destructive, and so. You know, it's what game are you playing? Are you playing? Are you saying that, yeah, we want to play the infinite game where the point of growing is to ensure that we can continue playing the game? Mm-hmm. You know, because unlocking the potential of every member of the global workforce, this is a long game. We're not going to get there next quarter. Right. You know, we're not going to get there this decade. This is a multi decade game that we've decided to play. 
And so, you know, yes, we need to, you know, just speaking from our experience, we need to have a very healthy growth rate. And, you know, our growth rate would be probably completely insane to a non-venture backed company. Mm -hmm. 80, 100% year over year growth is very aggressive, especially when you get into the, you know, the double digits and you have, you know, you know, an eight figure company you know, doubling every year is quite a feat. Absolutely. And and so, you know, I think that growth is important in our industry. And what I would also say is that a lot of companies can grow, but not all companies evolve. (laughs) And I really believe that it's actually the individuals that are leading the company. I mean, it's everyone in the company, but leadership has a disproportionate impact on the culture and the kind of psychology of the company. And so the leadership needs to evolve alongside its growth. (laughs) Otherwise you end up with a top heavy company that actually kind of crushes the founders and that doesn't grow beyond the founders shadows and all of all of the founders unprocessed childhood traumas come out in their leadership style and completely sink the ship. <laughs> Very good. You know, that's like it's like why it's why I'm so passionate about founders, particularly founders doing therapy, doing the shadow work, like actually working on how their consciousness uh, bleeds into and is a rep, is represented in the whole company. It's kind of like a a prism. Uh, the founder's consciousness is the prism through which the light gets shown through and then gets, you know, uh, fractalized and be, gets expressed inside of the whole company. And so it's like, if you look at, if you have a dysfunctional company, look at yourself, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Usually your team and your strategy or results are uh, are a mirror of ourselves, let, let's say. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's difficult to see sometimes that it's also very good to see another um, other times. And there are critical ingredients to, to scale in, in, in our perspective that we always cover uh, in the show. Number one is focus or radical focus. Uh, number two is what you were talking about, an amazing team. It all starts with the founding team. It evolves to a leadership team. And then it goes to a middle management team um, in order to keep scaling. And number three, uh, an ingredient that you love, uh, which is uh, culture and that puts everything together and that assures that execution and learning uh, goes quicker uh, as possible and puts together all the ingredients uh, in, yeah. in the formula. So in terms of focus, we see that a lot of those companies early on make always the same kind of mistakes. And a lot of times, given the pressure of growth, we tend to open too many avenues of growth, going to too many geos, going to many verticals, too many segments, small mid, small business, mid-market, enterprise, all at the same time, just because instead of having 20 people now and yeah. maybe uh, 500K in the, in the bank account, uh, they now have uh, five or 10 million in the bank account and uh, 100 people to, um, to, to, to play. So how, how do you assure as a, as a co-founder that the company is focus it on the milestone that needs to, to achieve in order to play the infinite game in order to get uh, to, to the 100 million in, in the decade. 
Yeah, well, I mean, you know, we're a big fan of OKRs. And, you know, I mean, A, yes, we built a fucking awesome OKR tool, which you all <laughs> should check out. But, you know, that's not the point. Uh, the point is that OKRs are a, are a method of focusing. You know, they really should, if, if used properly, they will, they will force focus. They will say what is most important ahead of everything else. And it's, it's a tough thing because, you know, there's the, the temptation to do everything, to do it all at once. And, you know, I mean, I really get this. It's like, this is a, this is real. It's like, as a 200 person company, we do have more capacity. There are more exciting opportunities. And to say no to things is harder because it's like, well, yeah, but we have, have capacity. And there's a reality that of course we have to be playing in more games. We can't just only say, yeah, we're going we're gonna to ditch all of our mid-market and SMB and only do enterprise. You know, like that's, yeah. that's, that's not always the right decision. And so I think that the, the process of choosing focus, it, it really needs to start with a clarity of what your purpose is as a company. What are you actually trying to accomplish? Why do you exist? And if, cause that's the ultimate focus, that's the farthest out point where, okay, we need to filter all of the decisions we're making through that. Does this actually get us closer to our objective? Does this fulfill our mission? And if it doesn't, well then have a really hard look at letting it go. Um, there's a great book called a great at work. I'm blanking on the author's name. But one of the principles, mm -hmm. it's almost like a science-backed uh, seven habits of highly effective people, right. you know, modern version of that. And one of the first real principles I talk about is this idea of do less and obsess. <laughs> that the path to success is not to spread yourself out so super thin, but it's actually to choose fewer objectives and, and obsess over those. And so it is a very difficult thing because it it's so tempting to try to cover all the bases. And in some sense, in some cases that is, is contradictory. I mean, you know, like I, I have a little bit of that fear right now because it's like, we're now, you know, we have the, the product, but we're also launching services and we're launching <laughs> education. And it's like, Oh shit. You know, are we, are we, are we falling into that same trap? of trying to do everything. And yet the trifecta of services, education, and product, we believe are, are something that, that our competition can't replicate. That mm -hmm. is that we talk to our managers and, or, and we talk to the people leaders and they say, we have so many first time managers who don't have a clue how to manage people. We need help. You know, there's an epidemic of a lack of awareness around these things. And so it's, it's a, you know, it's a real uh, dynamic, ongoing process of what are we focusing on. And what we try to do is we try to choose three to four company-wide objectives for the entire year that we really focus on and narrow in on, and then break it down into quarterly objectives underneath each of those. Got it. Sounds amazing. And moving to the, um, the critical ingredients to scale number two, which is uh, team you, you mentioned several times um, um, something that is really important for, for, for scaling. I typically say that in order to get to 5 million 
uh, ARR you can get with, with the CEO designing the strategy or with the founders designing the strategy. But to get from five to 10 and 10 million uh, plus, you would need to have a, a leadership team building strategy together, building vision together, and then starting to build the next layer of, of leadership. Um, so everyone has crystal clarity about what we are trying to achieve and how we, we pretend to get um, to get there. And you mentioned the dysfunctions of a team uh, very often, and there is a very good book, The Five Dysfunctions of a yeah, Team. Yeah, Patrick Lencioni. Hugely, hugely formative in how I think about leadership teams. and. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, the five temptations of a CEO, it's also um, a good one. And uh, one of those that he shared. I basically built my entire coaching career off of Lencioni's platform. <laughs> you know, like I would just, I would like, you know, devour his books and then I'd be like, sweet. And I'd go into a company and be like, all right, people, we're going to run the five dysfunction survey right. and help me everything I need to know to now like, you know, coach you for a year. Um, so a huge, huge fan of Lencioni's work. Absolutely. And, um, and in terms of having the right team for each stage of growth, so we, we tend to say that we might have, we'll need to lead seven companies from two to 200 million ARR. We will need to have different, seven different CEOs and seven different leadership teams to get there. Or if possible, those, uh, that leadership team, which is very difficult, will grow so quickly and will keep engaged with their life purposes to be on track with, with a business plan that they will evolve to the next version uh, that the company needs to, um, to keep scaling. So yeah. what's, what's your take and what are your learnings uh, until now in the different stages of growth of, of 15.5? Yeah, well, listen, I mean, you, you need to set the expectation with your leadership team that they may get replaced. You know, because the company can scale exponentially, but people don't really scale exponentially. People can grow and evolve and we can certainly get better and we can certainly improve. But you need to set the expectation that, look, like this stage of our growth right now might at some point is, is really appropriate for you. But it might be that we end up needing to hire somebody above you. <laughs> I think one of the worst expectations is that it's like, hey, you're a, VR, you're a VP of marketing now. And then it's, a, it's almost implicit expectation that they're going to be CMO and that they're going to run marketing for the entirety of the, of, of the, the life cycle of the company or, mm -hmm. you know, product, you know. And so having that conversation up front that saying, hey, we might need to hire somebody above you at some point. Like right now, you're the bee's knees. You are who the company needs. And that might change. Mm -hmm. And I think that, it's a difficult conversation to have right up front, but I think it's really worthwhile because you need to be able to trust that when you when you do outgrow somebody's ability to to you know say say you went from five to twenty million with somebody and now you know, to scale from twenty to fifty or fifty to a hundred million, it's an entirely different skill set mm -hmm. and. And it's funny, uh, like, you know, founders have all, a little bit of immunity from this because vision scales. <laughs> like vision is very scalable, but some of the skills, the execution skills aren't as scalable. And so that's, that's one thing that I think is really healthy to do is, is set that expectation up front. Now, 
you know, I'm a huge fan. Like I just wrote a LinkedIn post. Actually, I said, if you want to build an uncommonly healthy culture that can do the extraordinary, then obsess over building an uncommonly healthy leadership team. Tell each other the truth, clear withholds, see their best and reflect it back to them. Be friends. I know business heresy, discover each person's zone of genius and maximize the shit out of it. Turn (laughs) breakdowns into breakthroughs, care deeply about the lives of each other outside the office dream big and challenge current thinking, risk vulnerability and reveal your hearts. There's no greater gift you can give to the rest of your company than a highly cohesive leadership team. It will make or break your culture and it's never too late to start. And, you know, because it is so critical, like in all of that, you know, like so much of what is the common theme of what I just said is emotional intelligence. <laughs> And so investing in and spending the time to build a healthy leadership team, I really think is one of the, the greatest advantages that any company has at their disposal. That's a very, very good uh, point. Um, classifying culture as a competitive uh, advantage and team yeah, is yeah. a competitive advantage. Uh, you know, I, I mean, just, just like, you know, a couple of things just like, you know, we're winning a lot of awards right now. We just won number three on Glassdoor for best place to work in the country. We just won number two best place to work in the Bay Area Congrats. just last last week. Um, you know, uh, we won Inc.'s best places to work. And, you know, we've been investing in this for a while, right? You know, we've been, this isn't like, we didn't just wake up in 2019 and say, hey, culture is important, let's do it. Um, you know, we've known this from the beginning. And the financial rewards are, are huge because, you know, the decrease in turnover and the increase of employee lifetime value, you know, if, when you factor in it, it's two to four X somebody's annual salary to replace that person when they leave, mm-hmm. you know, and you're paying somebody 250,000 a year. Well, dang, that's a lot of money that, that has massive effects, especially when you then have 200 people and it starts compounding, it starts really you know, it's like, okay, cool. We can extend our employee lifetime value by three months. That has huge implications. Absolutely. And and we we, we ended getting to the third critical ingredient, which is uh, culture. Uh, and you already introduced it uh, super, super well. And in terms of culture, I really believe on rituals to assure that people work well together People are focused on the vision. People are connected with their life purposes and with the purpose of the company. So what are some of the rhythms that are critical to you or the rituals that are critical to you to to help to strengthen the culture and to achieve those business results that you talk um, about? Yeah. So, I mean, I I really think of it of of breaking it down into uh, weekly, monthly, quarterly, and annual rhythms. (laughs) You know, on a, on a weekly basis, you know, we, I mean, our, our own product, uh, you know, sometimes I, it's almost just the water we swim in. So I forget that everyone doesn't do it, but it's, it's so valuable because having that, that, the, those check-ins, having that opportunity to reflect, how are people doing? Like I can go in and I can see how everyone in my company is feeling, you know, in, in three minutes, I have a report at my fingertips of sh- seeing ever, how the entire company is doing. And easily digestible, and so being able to keep a keep a pulse on what's actually going on from people because you have a feedback cycle 
you have a feedback loop so that I, I can go in and I can ask any question that I want. Like right now I could go in and I could say, what is your biggest concern for 2020 for us as a company? And I don't have to wait three months to run a certain employee engagement survey and try to digest the data. I can actually just get that instantly. Um, uh, weekly appreciations, getting people into the habit of recognizing and appreciating each other on a weekly basis, invaluable. Because what you're doing is you're increasing the positivity ratio. And the positivity ratio is this idea from positive psychology that human relationships really thrive when you have approximately a five to one positive to negative interaction. You know, think about your marriage, you know, or, you know, with anyone you're dating. And it's like, mm -hmm. if you have five negative emotional interactions for every one positive, that's probably not a very happy dynamic. You're probably not like <laughs> thriving in that marriage. And if you have five positive emotional interactions, everyone negative emotional interaction, that's a really healthy relationship. And so what you want to do is you want to try to replicate that inside your company. You want a uh, approximately a five positive interactions to every one negative emotional interaction because you're building the emotional bank account so you can have those hard conversations. You can get into the gritty that stuff without it breaking the trust. And so weekly appreciation, super important. Uh, you know, I, and then zooming out onto the other side of the spectrum on annual rhythms, you know, we just had our annual company-wide retreat. And so we brought everybody together and rented a hotel in Palm Springs. And it's, it's amazing. And it's, it's so crucial. You know, we're distributed. We're in, I don't know, I think like nine countries and 20 states. So we're all over the place. And so it's really important to bring everybody together, especially since, I mean, 120 of these people were hired in the last year and haven't met each other. <laughs> Very good and, point. <laughs> and that's the opportunity for us to come together in person and get very clear on why do we exist? What do each of us really want out of this company, out of our own lives, doing some life visioning? Because you always want to be actually looking at intrinsic motivation. How, how does you working at our company and helping us realize our mission help you realize your mission? which is a, a different paradigm of how to do business. Because before it's just like, whatever, you're a human resource. You're just a lump of coal. I'm going to shovel you into the furnace and we're going we're gonna to push the train along the tracks. And then, and then you're going to burn up and we'll shovel some more human resources into the furnace. And, and instead it's saying, actually, no, you're a complete whole dynamic human being with all of the complex the complexity of your dreams and desires and your hopes and your fears. And we want to, as a company, be a vehicle for you to realize your ideal life. And, and that's just a totally different approach to managing people. And when you do that though, what happens is you tap into the intrinsic motivation of a human being and they, they, will, they will give more, they will sweat more, they will do the best work of their life because they're suddenly, they have ownership of the mission and they know that you actually care about them. And it's, it's, it's a real, it's, a, it's such a pleasure to, to work in that capacity. Because, you know, like, again, back to this growth conversation we were having earlier, yeah, it's awesome if we can build, you know, billion dollar companies. But if we're, if we're ruining lives along the way, if people are leaving our companies burned out, you know, 
less lesser versions of themselves than when they started? Is that really the game we want to be playing? Are, aren't we realizing that just the greed for pure wealth accumulation isn't the the way forward for us to have a thriving society on this planet? Like, yeah, like nothing wrong with making millions, billions of dollars, but can we do it in a way that's generative for the people that are part of it? And it's the, the journey itself is fulfilling. So we're not just waiting for that IPO and then I can be happy. <laughs> that's amazing. Uh, and it's, it's, it's a very interesting energy that you share with us on the show. And I think that's something that is really incredible for me. It's the way that you position the team and the culture as a, a core competence of, of the company. Uh, and it seems that I'm looking for one of the tools that I use for uh, building the, um, the main blocks of the strategy, which is the seven strata, which is a scaling up framework. Also very well connected, Vern Arnish, well connected with Patrick Lencioni. Yeah. Um, and one of the building blocks of that strategy, it starts with the words that you want. It goes for core customer, brand promises, uh, guarantees, uh, differentiating activities. And there is one there, which is the 10x or unfair advantage before getting to the BAG, which is something very interesting as the chief culture officer. Uh, it seems that you are really building the IP, the, the unfair advantage for your company and for all the companies that uh, have the possibility of, of leveraging 15.5 uh, as a tool, which creates a very interesting purpose also for myself as a, as a CEO coach. Uh, I really love the, the chemistry. Well done. Yeah, thank you, thank you Mike. Yeah, you, we, we used to give a talk about how to 10x your people. Um, because, you know, it's like, yeah, like we all talk about like 10xing our revenue, but like 10x your people and you'll 10x your revenue. Another great point. And we, we come to the end of the show with one of our favorite questions, which is if you would have the opportunity to meet Shane um, eight years ago uh, at the beginning of 15.5, what advice would you offer to, to Shane? Well, I'm really glad because I think he took my advice, which was stay with it. Like, do not give up. Like, perseverance, you know, that like, it's it's a struggle to build a company. It's a struggle, you know, because it really also, it's, it's, it's your own hero's journey. You will confront your deepest insecurities, your darkest shadows in this process. And persevere, stay with it, do not give up and incredible things you know the 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 fruits of your labors will be incredibly sweet and like just stay with it and also you know i'd probably say ah let's see what's the essence of it you know like dig in a little faster you know because mm -hmm. it feels like in the last two to three years there was a lot of really incredible things that happened in, in my life personally that allowed me to show up in a, in a better way for the company. And so I might say just like, go work with this coach faster. <laughs> <laughs> um, like don't, don't waste five years doing that. Just go immediately. And, you know, it's like, I, I also have a belief that the past is perfect and that, you know, of course I went on that journey because I needed to, and I needed to learn those lessons. So, uh, but yeah, stay with it, man. Like, because it, it really is a, is a game of perseverance. 
That's amazing. Chen, thanks so much for sharing your experience and your uh, career uh, with us today. Thank you, Mike. And to our community, thanks for being on that side. We keep bringing you the best of the best so you can leverage uh, their lessons and avoid their mistakes as you build your um, scale up from 2 million ARR to 100 million ARR. See you soon and keep scaling.